You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and we are here with Adam Rue from South Park Community Partners. He's actually the president, and he has an amazing story, and I think you guys are going to love this. So let's talk a little bit about it. Now, for years, South Park has had the reputation of being a destination for high-end retail, restaurants, active neighborhoods, desirable schools. You know, South Park is, of course, home to one of the most popular malls in the region, several apartment complexes, offices, restaurants, and really a lot of more development that's coming into the area soon. It's a place that I call home and I love. Now, Adam is one of the names and faces you'll see often as this fast-growing area continues to expand. Uh, Like I mentioned, he is the president of South Park Partners, and he is here today to talk about his story, to talk about South Park, to talk about everything in Charlotte, and we're so excited. He did mention that he has identical twin sons. And as a person, as everybody's listening to this, you know, I'm a twin. So this will be exciting uh, to talk about that. I, I will mention my wife. She said, I want twins. And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's get this podcast started. Adam, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Thank you for being here. And for our listeners who don't know uh, or know South Park Community Partners, tell us uh, tell us what we need to know. Yeah, so we're a nonprofit economic and community development organization. We operate as a public-private partnership with the city of Charlotte, and it's our job and our privilege to wake up every day and think about how we make South Park an incredible place. Uh, we drive economic vitality, we create memorable experiences, and we ensure an extraordinary quality of life. That's our mission. We're mission-driven, and so our team gets the opportunity and, like I said, the privilege of waking up every day and thinking about this place. Uh, And it is an extraordinary place, and it's got a great history in Charlotte, and we think it's poised for an an even brighter future. That's fantastic, and you guys are doing a great job. I actually, you mentioned privilege, have the privilege to live in Barclay Downs, and uh, I'm not far from the venue where you know, the music, the live music's yeah. always playing and Dick's Sporting Goods and all that. And there's such a great buzz, such great restaurants, such just stuff going on. And uh, I love it, man. And I I did not realize there was a nonprofit behind all of this. So uh, looking forward to learning more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And tell yeah. us about it. So, you know, a lot of people, if you're in Charlotte, you probably know what South Park is. I, I always use the kind of the analogy. I grew up in Atlanta. So I'm like, South Park is kind of like our buckhead, you know, and if and they're like, oh, oh, OK, I get it. But for people that might not know what makes South Park great, but also it's not something that's been around for that long. I mean, I think I want to say like 50 years and I believe it was a farm originally. What is kind of the history of South Park uh, and really how do you guys play that role into continuing to grow it? And then we're going to jump back because I want to talk a little bit about, you know, before you got to this point. Well, South Park is such an interesting place because, as you said, it started out as a dairy farm. It Uh, eventually over time has grown into this uh, incredible destination. It's, you know, arguably the premier shopping destination between Washington and Atlanta. And part of that uh, state that it's in today is because of uh, incredible leadership from people like Johnny Harris and Smokey Bissell, who truly built South Park into the place uh, that it is today. And so when the mall opened about 50 years ago, uh, th- that was the the sort of impetus for all of the growth and development around South Park. And from its earliest days, it has been a retail hub. Uh, it's been a place for people to shop. 
And over time, it has developed into this well-rounded place where you have shopping and dining and experiences, but you also have these amazing neighborhoods that wrap around the commercial core. You've got uh, a big office component. I think that's one of the things perhaps that people don't appreciate about South Park is it's one of the densest job centers in Charlotte. We're home to 32,000 workers, four Fortune 1000 headquarters. Uh, it really is a job center and it draws people from all across the Charlotte region every day to come work there. Um, and so it's it's this interesting place where you've got all of these things happening at once. You've got jobs and commerce. You have experiences and dining and shopping. You've got people who are living in apartments. And then you've got these amazing single-family uh, residential neighborhoods that envelop the commercial core. And so South Park um, gets a little bit of everything. And, and I think that's part of what makes it a special place is that it's incredibly well-balanced. Yeah, I love it. We, um, my wife and I did a staycation when we had our, our baby was our second son was like one years old. And so we're good friends with, uh, with the Hyatt centric and decided, you know, Hey, we're going to go stay at the Hyatt centric for a night. We'll get reservations at stake 48. We literally parked our car there and didn't leave. And it literally felt like a vacation in this little venue that they've been able to create there. And I'll, anybody that wants to just do something, the Hyatt's amazing one night, you'll love it. And stake 48's incredible. But I feel like there's those little nooks, like all in South Park, and they're starting to get kind of its own flair. You now have a brewery, right? That's right into the mall. We love that place. There's a playground with about 482 kids. And <laughs> hey, you know what? What goes good with kids? Beer, I guess, at least for me. <laughs> a lot of um, it. But it's awesome. I mean, it's just a cool vibe. And like before, I don't even know. I think it was like a... Um, California pizza kitchen or something, yeah. but so you can kind of see the flair and then also the events they were able to do uh, in the symphony at the park or live after five, or even an event that we've uh, sponsored in the past called build strong. They do such amazing work. So tell us like the vibe from the community, you have all these businesses, right? And then you have the community. What is the identity of South park? And like, how are we not only selling South park, but what really excites people about it that we might not know? Yeah, I think it's a great question, something that we as an organization think about every day, uh, about brand identity, about what South Park stands for in our community, how are we positioning it for future success. I think for a long time, the identity was really wrapped up in the mall. I mean, when people thought about South Park as a place, they thought about South Park Mall. C clearly, it's an incredible asset. I mean, the, our area that we serve, which is a square mile, the mall is at the center of it, uh, generates 20 million non-work visits a year. Um, so there are people that are coming to South Park uh, over and over and over again, and clearly many of them are coming for the mall. But what you have is uh, around it, there's this constellation of places. So you've got uh, specialty shops and Sharon Corners and Phillips Place and Piedmont Town Center. And so you have all of these little pockets of uh, interesting places that are destinations unto themselves. Uh, and what I think as a, as a community we haven't done a good job historically of is thinking about the entire quilt of South Park. You've got all these patches that are great places among themselves, but we haven't thought about stitching it together into a complete place. And what you described it at uh, Apex, at where the Hyatt-centric is, is this incredible place. How do we better connect that to what's happening at the mall and at Symphony Park? And how do we connect that to the office corridor on Rexford Road in a meaningful way so that when you come to South Park, you're experiencing the totality of the place? Uh, and, and if you are able to do that, then South Park starts to stand for something much more interesting and multifaceted than 
uh, simply a shopping mall, which is you know one of the best performing malls in the country and an asset for our community in terms of drawing visitors. Um, but the South Park experience is so much more than that. It's so much richer and more nuanced than that. You've got these great restaurants, these employment centers, all of these people that are coming and going. And so uh, I think what we're hoping to do as we think about South Park's identity is to build a sense of emotional resonance so that when you come to South Park, um, it, there's something sticky about it, that it stays with you, it makes you feel something. And I think for a long time, South Park has made people feel special in, in one way or another. Um, certainly f- feels that way for me. And I think what we want as we look to the future for South Park and that brand identity and the story we're telling is a place that continues to make you feel special for lots of different reasons. What do you see? Like what's in the pipeline that you can talk about that will continue to improve uh, the areas you just spoke about? Well, one of the things that we're working on that we're really excited about right now is something we're calling the South Park Vision Plan. It's a 10-year blueprint to look at future growth and development in South Park. The idea is to inspire and shape future development in South Park so that it aligns with the community's values and aspirations. And so we are thinking a lot about South Park's future right now, and it has been such a fun exercise to talk to so many people in our community and ask them, what do you want South Park to be a decade from now? What are your aspirations for this place? Um, And I think it's a couple of things. Number one, we know South Park is and will continue to be a place that the market wants to be. We have a billion dollars, billion with a B, of new development in the pipeline. So those are projects that have been announced and planned and are sort of in various stages of the development cycle. Um, so the market wants to be in South Park, and we think you know once we get past the sort of macroeconomic pressure that we're in right now, uh, we're going to see that even accelerate more. Beyond that, as that development comes, I, I think what we're what we're continuing to see is a desire to stitch together all of these places. So connectivity is really important between these pockets of uh, shopping and dining. How do we how do we knit them together? How do we connect the commercial core to the residential neighborhoods that surround it? How do we connect the commercial core to other parts of our community through trail and greenway connections? Can we make it easier for you to be on the Cross Charlotte Trail and to take a little detour to come to South Park on your bike or walking or pushing a stroller uh, to come have lunch at Suffolk Punch and let your kids run around and maybe do a little shopping while you're there? Um, so that connectivity piece, I think, is going to be really important as we think through how South Park evolves, and it will become a more dense place. There will be development that occurs in the commercial core um, that's going to bring more people to live there, more people to work there. Um, and there is this opportunity to create more of a park once kind of environment, sort of what you described, Brian, where you you, you were able to come, you park your car. You can have an entire weekend, an entire day, an entire afternoon in South Park uh, and really get the full experience of the place. And so it's this mix of development that's coming and shaping it with things like trail and greenway connections, with more and better open space, with more programming uh, at Symphony Park and other places, um, events and things that create these memorable moments for people. Um, And so it's... You know, cities are really about people. Places are about people. And 
we can build all the buildings we want, but we we have to put people first. And I think that's what you're going to see in the next decade for South Park is a ton of development momentum and then all the amenities that serve people. How do you, yeah, you use the word stitch and you know, the, when that comes to mind and you mentioned trails and the greenways, which I think is amazing, but really like that mobility walkability. Mm -hmm. And I'll use the example, you used apex and you used South park mall. Like I'm probably not walking my three-year-old from apex to South park mall just cause you know, it's there's six lanes of track. I mean, it's just, eh, who knows how, how does, how do you do that? Right? Like, how do you create that? Because it does kind of get separated by a lot of traffic just right there as an example. Is it a bridge? Is it a tunnel? Like, what do you do to create that? Cause I, I feel like that is probably the, uh, the billion dollar question, but, um, I'm just curious how, how you guys have those conversations. Cause I'm sure you're talking with contractors and like, how could we develop something really cool here that would make it so easy to go back and forth? Yeah. I mean, you, you nailed it. Mobility and connectivity are really important pieces of the puzzle for how South Park evolves. And, it, when you think about walkability, in, in order to take a walk, it needs to be easy, it needs to be safe, and it needs to be joyful, and it needs to be all three of those things. And I think you could argue that there, you know, crossing Sharon Road at five o'clock on a weekday <laughs> is yeah. none of those things. Yeah. Right? And, you know, you're going across yeah. eight lanes of traffic, and Run! That's, Frogger, it, it, exactly. That's exactly yeah, right. It doesn't feel good, yeah. and so I, I do think that part of the challenge for South Park historically has been you've got these great places, but they're physically, geographically disconnected from one another, and so. Um, mobility has to be part of the solution. And for us, it's about a lot of different layers. Mm -hmm. So it's better and safer crosswalks. Uh, it's better bike amenities and facilities. Uh, we did a pilot program last week of a South Park shuttle service that we ran for a week to just test out if we run this little uh, shuttle service around South Park and make it easier for you to, say, leave your car at Apex and go to the mall – by hopping in a free shuttle, would people use it? And and they did. Um, and so I think that's something that's in the mix that we're thinking about as an option for South Park. Uh, I think there are crazy innovative things like, you know, do you build a bridge or do you build a tunnel? You know, who knows? Um, but I think what we believe is that the, the more we can create the facilities and the infrastructure and the experience that pull you from one destination to, a, to another, um, the more successful we'll be. And, and so one of the projects we're working on is called The Loop. It's a three-mile urban trail. It goes around South Park, sort of around the commercial core. And it's this wide sidewalk with amenities that's tied to open space and has public art and has all of these things that make for an easier, safer, and more joyful walk. And we think projects like The Loop will be game changers for South Park because it will start to reorient people's expectations and get you to walk across Sharon Road to the mall and maybe past that to go around the corner to Legion Brewing or whatever. So um, that's that's the mix I think that we'll see. And, and frankly, one of the things that has me most fired up about South Park's future is I think those kind of interventions really help South Park become a complete place, um, a place that people are active 18 hours a day. Love that. And you have some experience at Center City Partners, correct? I spent uh, six years there. Um, a lot of what I learned about 
the work that we do came from incredible mentors. Um, I spent six years working for Michael Smith at Center City Partners and alongside this extraordinary team that's thinking every day about Uptown and South End. And a lot of what we are doing in South Park has been inspired by Center City Partners' 45-year legacy of city building in our community that started with Hugh McCall and Harvey Gant. And those leaders believed that a strong and thriving downtown was the foundation for a strong and thriving region. And they have been intentional all the way back um, to, to their leadership about making big moves and big investments in our downtown in a way to drive economic and cultural success for our community. And so to, to play just a tiny little bit of a sliver of a role in that in that 45-year story was um, such a privilege. And it, it prepared me to then come into this organization that's doing similar work but in a very different context. You know, you have a, a unique background. You went to uh, UNC and then you were a reporter, right? And so we on the Brand Builders podcast obviously love to tell stories. And you being a reporter, that was your job, right? To report the news, to share these stories, whether they're good or bad. Um, but now you've gotten into that role of director of communications and now you're the president of this group. And I think one of the toughest things is not necessarily executing something or even coming up with ideas, but it's telling the story to get the community excited about it, right? How can you put this into terms that make me excited to want to come to South Park? It's not going to be a blueprint or saying, Hey, we got a billion dollars coming. Here we go. That excites me, but like the trails is better. Hey, what can I get from here to there with my children? Um, tell me a little bit about how your background of not only being a reporter has played a role uh, to really make you well-rounded, but to be able to give you that gift of telling that story and, and not only guiding the team to the direction you want to go, but being able to educate the community on how amazing this is. Well, you know, stories resonate with people. And I think all of us can appreciate, you know, you're you're sitting around the table after a big meal with friends and, you know, the, the dishes are still scattered on the table and the wine glasses are mostly empty and you've got this group of people and what do we do? We sit there and we tell stories. We laugh and we share common experiences with one another. And those common experiences build authentic human connection. And that's what we're all looking for in this world is authentic human connection. And so to me, that's, that's what it all comes back to is if I'm telling you a story, it's because I want to connect with you. It's because... I want us to build a relationship, and that matters in my friendships. It matters in my marriage. It matters in my service to the community, and it certainly matters in the work that we're doing in South Park. It's about building relationships with people, and when I was a reporter, every story we did, whether it was a, a happy story or a sad story or a serious story, um, it was – you know, it started with relationship building. It started with somebody trusting me, in that case, to tell their story on the news. And um, I, it was never lost on me that that, that was a privilege, um, that, that it required trust and it required um, this, this sense of belief in each other. And, you know, that was the way we approached doing the news when I did it. Um, and it certainly has informed the work that I've done since. Um, and, and as we think about how we build cities and how we build places, we, you know, as I mentioned, there, there are people first. And in order to do that, it requires 
storytelling and authentic human connection and relationship building. I love that. So I want to jump into into kind of your personal life. I mentioned this as a little teaser on the front end that you have twins, which is amazing. Uh, being a twin, um, everyone always asks me the question, what's it like being a twin? And I always reply, what's it like not being a twin? Because I have no <laughs> idea. Now, for 18 years, me and my brother were compared with everything, right? Who had the hotter girlfriend? Who had better grades? Who was better at sports? Who could get to the school bus faster? I mean, it was everything. And then your friends just kind of tee off on that. But what it does is it creates you it creates a bond that you'll never have. You, it creates a competitive nature that you can never get anywhere else because you literally have someone that's just like you. If there's ever a bar to compare yourself to, have an identical twin. It's pretty simple. You're looking in the mirror. Uh, it's it's really cut and dry. But tell us a little bit about um, not only raising those kids, but your wife also is is a, a client of ours at Pimlico Capital. And so she's had an amazing career. You obviously have had an amazing career. I always ask parents on here because it's something I think we all struggle with is how do you focus on your job as much as you need to while also giving that time to family? And, you know, everyone say, oh, I need, you know, work-life balance. Well, look, we live in 2023. I mean, if you have a phone, like your customers are going to find you somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't matter. But that's just kind of the reality. How do you do that? How do you and your wife handle that? And like, what's your advice to people on, on how you can create both of those? Because I think it's really, really tough. And for me, the one thing that I get from this podcast more than anything is the people that are older, that are successful, the only regret they have is that they didn't spend more time with their kids. They didn't create experiences that they should have. And they all say this, it goes by so fast before you know, your kid's going to be in college. And it's true. My kid's in kindergarten. I felt like he was born yesterday. You know, so that was a lot of information, but hit up whatever you want. Well, no, I mean, I, I, that's it. How do you handle it all, man? It's, yeah. You know, it's interesting. So we have twins, twin boys who are four and, and an older son who's eight. And, um, you know, parenting is, it, it's an adventure. You're figuring it out. And, and I would be lying to you if I sat here and said that. I had some some secret answer to parenting because you come know, on, man, I needed every, it <laughs> every day. I, I'm like, you know, am I am I doing a good enough job at mm -hmm. this? Probably not. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for us, it's a couple of things. Number one, obviously, it's a it's a great partnership. Jillian, my wife, you know, has a demanding career of her own, um, has been highly successful, and you know, every day is a balancing act. Uh, sometimes, you know, literally juggling logistics, literally juggling children. Mm -hmm. um, and trying to figure out who needs to be where and who has obligations to do what. And, um, you know, that's that's a balancing act. And it obviously it helps to have an incredible partner who who shares in the responsibilities. Um, we we try really hard to have a very balanced uh, split of duties uh, in our house. But the other thing that I think is important and this really changed during the pandemic was I think a, a, a greater appreciation in our society for working parents and the the trade-offs that working parents have to make. And so for me, this started at Center City Partners, and it's a cultural thing that we've carried into, into South Park Community Partners, is that you know, I don't typically book meetings for myself unless they're really important or really necessary. Um, at the time of day where I need to pick up a kid from school or, you know, cook dinner or give a bath or whatever. And so, like, there is an expectation, a cultural expectation that, like I said, started with our team at Center City Partners, and, and we believe this at, at South Park as well, that um, 
we all have things going on in our life. And for me, it's it's kids that are really important and family. And so um, that for, for me means prioritizing part of the day that's family first. Um, and the trade-off is that sometimes I'm, you know, writing emails at five o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. or doing work after everybody goes to bed and the same with Jillian. Um, but for us, that's that trade-off, I'd make that trade-off a hundred times over to be able to sit uh, and spend time with my kids at the end of the day. And so that's for us how we've been able to to do it. But like I said, we, we haven't figured it out. And, you know, there are definitely... You, I mean, you got more, a good plan, though. That's, well, and there are more days where, you know, the kids the kids beat me up and, you know, I get to the end of the day and I'm like, that was hard. And, and I feel like a bad dad and a bad husband and a bad boss and a bad, you know, everything yeah. else. And Today was terrible. Yeah. There are just days, there are days like you feel pretty, you feel pretty beaten down. Um, but, you know, then the next day you go and you pick your kid up from school and he runs down the hall and says... Daddy, it's good to see you. I missed you. And, you know. And, it makes it all yeah. day. So when you found out you had twins, so you already had one, and this was like the nightmare of of, uh, of my wife, Amanda. She wanted twins originally, and then we had one, and she's like, I can't believe I ever wanted twins. And then she's like, if we have another one, I promise you we're going to get twins. <laughs> I was like, well, that'd be cool. We at least, you know, had a, had a test run. You know, at least, <laughs> at least not to change diapers now. We're good. We got this. What was it like when you found out you have twins? And then tell us how that journey has been. And then also, you know, how I bet it was so exciting to see their own personalities start to come out. Right. And and just I'm, I'm I don't have twins, but I was one. But it, it'd be fun to, to hear that from you. Yeah. Um, God, we were, you know, mind blown. Not you know, just like. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? Still, yeah. I mean, both of us were sort of look, looked at each other. Um, you know, it, you never really know what to expect as a parent until you get into it, whether that's your first kid or going from one to two or from one to three in our case. Um, and so we, our twins were born almost seven weeks early and um, which is which is pretty common in, in twin pregnancies. And so they were born at the very end of 2019 um, and they were in the NICU for almost a month and then came home at the end of January of 2020. And we all know what happened in March of 2020. And so, um, it, so so much of that that early experience with them was defined less about twins and more about the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to figure out just in general, like what to do, what's the right move to make, how do we keep our family safe, that sort of thing. Um, and so the the silver lining of of that was that it gave us a lot more time together, um, time that we normally would have been at the office. We were together as a family for better or for worse. Um, and we definitely had worse moments um, where we, we were trying to figure it all out. Um, but it, I think, maybe bought us a little time to, to get our literal arms around, you know, two babies at the same time, figure out how to manage that, you know, they have the same needs. And mm-hmm. so uh, often, you know, if, if one needed to be fed, so did the other. And, you know, it, it I think helped us figure out that the teamwork aspect with twins. And then, you know, since, since then, as they've grown up, it's just been such a, a wild ride. Every stage of life is different and you're figuring out how to, you know, manage these two little creatures that are <laughs> that are the same uh, but also so different and their their personality differences uh, came out pretty pretty early and it's been fun to see those 
you know, different directions, even as young as four years old. My college roommate at Chapel Hill is a twin. Um, he's a fraternal twin. But I felt like going into it, I was like, okay, I, you know, like I saw this twin dynamic. I sort of understand the personality thing. Um, but to witness it in your own house and see it day to day and watch their interactions and, you know, see the way that they both love each other in a really special way. I mean, and people talk about the twin bond, but you, you see it. Um, but they also drive each other crazy. And, you know, it's hand to hand combat 24 seven with them. And so, um, which I'm sure you, you totally. remember with your, with your brother. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's fun and I, I'm excited to see what the next thing we learn about them is. Uh, and I'm obviously very, very blessed to get to be their dad. Yeah, it, it's awesome. I mean, being a twin was, I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't know anything different, but me and my brother still talk every single day, you know, 39 years old. It, it is a bond that that is different. Um, but you know, the, the thing you talk about a, a never ending battle, me and my brother, the funniest thing was we were allowed to fight each other. If somebody else wants to jump in that fight, you're getting two people. We don't, I don't even matter. We're not even fighting fair. Like we can fight each other. You can't touch him or I'm going to be mad. That's you know, exactly so right. that's kind of the vibe and how it went down. Our friends learned that real quick. They're like, yeah, we're probably not going to pick on them. Yeah. Two versus one is probably not going to work out. We've totally seen that. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. So back to, to South Park in general, you know, I love what you've been able to do. I call South Park home. We actually just purchased a, a new home as well. And I love South Park because it's a, it's a place that we can get to in five minutes, right? Or four minutes or whatever. And we can also get home in five minutes, right? So if those kids are being crazy, we can be home real quick. Whereas maybe going venturing to Uptown or the Whitewater Center, you're a little bit farther away if something happens. So that's what we love, just the, fl- the flexibility of it. But tell us, where do you envision South Park in 10, 20, 50 years? Tell us, you know, you told us a little bit about what you're excited about, but what can we as a community be looking forward to in the next years? And I know one of the things I've seen a bunch of it is high rises, right? I mean, I can't imagine that whenever they build the big high rise that has the viewpoint of uptown is going to be beautiful because everybody's drove down park road and you've, and you've stopped right there on, I think it's Tyvola and you can see the, the city skyline, right? My son, every time he sees, he goes, Charlotte FC, Charlotte FC. That's the only thing he thinks uptown is if he sees the city, we're probably going to a match. Um, that's his vibe of it. But is that things that we can be you know excited about and tell us kind of what the future holds for us, South Park? Well, you, you hit part of South Park's success, which is its central location. And we think that just from a, a competitive advantage standpoint, as South Park competes for jobs and talent and investment against other parts of our region, but also other similar places against the buckheads of the world, um, that location, the proximity to uh, the airport, the proximity to uptown, the proximity to amazing neighborhoods and amenities has been a difference maker for South Park. And we think it's going to continue to be as the place matures. Um, One of the things that companies are really looking for right now is they're thinking about where to put their headquarters as they evaluate real estate decisions is they they are looking for amenities in a place. And so the, the, the neighborhood becomes the amenity. South Park is what is attracting people to work there. It's because the the office building is part of this rich community, this rich neighborhood. And so um, that we think is part of South Park's um, magic. And and so we're going to lean into that even more, looking for ways to continue to offer an experience that talent and companies are 
really preferring right now and we, we think will continue to. Um, where South Park is headed, and again, we're, we're really focused on just that one square mile district that we serve, which is the commercial core of South Park. I think it's on a journey from a more suburban place to a more urban place. That doesn't mean it's going to be like Uptown or South End. Uh, it has its own character and it needs to retain that. And so South Park will look different than Uptown and South End. It will feel different than Uptown and South End as it should. Mm -hmm. um, big cities have lots of pockets that have their own distinct feel and identity and vibe and South Park should should have its own. But I do think it does mean more density in terms of uh, infill development. So more people living in South Park in apartment buildings that are close to the mall. Uh, it means more people working in South Park. I, I do think that there are office buildings that are on the horizon that will bring even more people to work in South Park. And then what I think I'm most excited about is what comes with all of that development. So yes, there will be more density. There may be more, you know, five, six, seven, 10, 12 story buildings in South Park um, in the commercial core. But when those buildings come, they're going to bring restaurants. They're going to bring stores. Uh, they will bring green space, plazas, trail connections, all of those things are what will make South Park a special place because they're things for people. They're, they're, they are amenities for people to use. And so what I see over the next decade or two is South Park becoming this denser place, but a place where because of the density, there's more vibrancy, there's more activity, there's more energy that you can feel that is palpable because people will be using the public space, the public realm, in a way that they're not using it today. So we hosted South Park After Five at Symphony Park this past year. That was an event that our organization started because we knew there was this hunger to bring people together in South Park. And over 11 concerts this past year, we had 25,000 people show up. And so we were like, okay, I think we're onto something here. Gosh. How do we do that more often? How do we program public space more frequently? And it doesn't always have to be a 2,000 person concert. Um, can you create an experience that 10 people come and have and leave with a deeper emotional connection to South Park? Uh, can you create something that is, you know, you talked about the play area at Suffolk Punch at the mall. How do we create more of those where parents can have these great experiences with their children in the heart of South Park and maybe do it, you know, five minutes from home or five minutes from work? Uh, so we're, we're looking for ways over, the, over the, the next couple of decades as South Park evolves and matures to strengthen the connections to jobs, to home, and to fun. Yeah, I love it. We've Great. been to the Alive After Fives. It's phenomenal with your kids. There's kids everywhere. They're running around. They're having a blast. You guys do a great job with that. The last thing I want to mention, and this is pretty cool. We were talking about this yesterday with uh, with Bo South, who is a member. But did you ever think you would have an actual in-town golf club in that one square mile? It's pretty cool. Have you seen it yet? 
Um, I have seen it. In fact, I was there last night. There and, we go. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm it, talking. Um, so it's got to be cool. Yeah, it yeah. is. And you know, in some ways, that's a that's a good example of the kind of uh, experiences and amenities that we believe South Park is primed for. Mm-hmm. Um, that th- those are places that create emotional resonance, and it doesn't always have to be something like in town golf. That's a that's a memorable experience, but it, it could also be. Um, a really incredible locally owned store. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a piece of public art. I mean, there are lots of different ways that 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 takes physical shape. Um, but it's a. But what I think in town has done well is they've created something that leaves you with this feeling of wanting more, and that's what we hope to create in everything we do at South Park. Uh, that we want people to leave and say, that was a great day. Can we go do that again? Or can we go see what else there is to explore? When are we going back? Um, That is really at the core of our mission. Um, And we believe that if we do that well, South Park serves people who live nearby, people who work nearby, people who are coming to Charlotte from Columbia or Greenville, uh, people who are here from across the country on business and get to go and have an experience and they go home and they say, do you want to hear this cool thing I did last night? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is encapsulated in what the, the experience they've created there at Apex. I love it, man. Really? You are, this is fantastic. You're going to be fired up, man. I'm excited <laughs> so that I live there. Man, just to be a part of this It is. It, it is. And we all, I mean, everybody at this table, at least on, on this side, we kind of, we call that home. And, and it's it's nice to see not only an organization that's committed to that, but it's not just about bringing in businesses. It's not just about making money. It's more about the community as a whole. And I remember uh, we had Blair Premise on here when he was at Ortho Carolina. And one of the things that will always, I'll always remember this is his marketing plan was simple. If we create a community that people want to live in, more people are going to break their ankles. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> more people are going to get hurt if we create this community. And it's and it sounded so crazy when he said it, but the reality was he was committed to the community, committed to being involved with nonprofits, committed to giving back because if it's a place people want to live, Ortho Carolina grows, right? And that was kind of a unique vibe. And I was like, that's interesting. But if you look at what he was able to do with Ortho and grow that, it was all around that basis. And it's so simple, but I think a lot of businesses or organizations completely miss the point. Well, I mean, Blair's an incredible marketer mm-hmm. and also an incredible uh, community member, somebody mm-hmm. who's community oriented. And I've, I've learned a lot from him over the years. And I think you're exactly right. You know, the, the, the last thing I'll say is that part of this work for me is personal because South Park was home for me. Uh, it's where I grew up. My grandparents built a house in South Park in 1964 when they moved to Charlotte. My mom was raised there, and then my parents bought that house from them and raised wow. my sister and me in the same house. And so South Park, my my childhood revolved around so many things in the South Park area. And so today as I'm out and about doing my work, I, I see all these reminders of family and memories, and it, it, it is deeply personal for me. And obviously, I want other people to feel what I what I have felt over the course of my life. And then South Park is where we live now. And so the ability to think through this arc of my family all the way back to my grandparents in the 1960s when there was no mall and dirt roads where the Harris Y is now <laughs> to no. today where my boys are – going and playing and running around and it like it's just really special and i think ultimately if we're creating places 
that people want to make memories with their family with in, uh, we've done something right. I love it. If, if there's businesses, nonprofits, community people that want to get involved, what's the best way to, to get in contact with you to follow what you guys are doing? Yeah, our website is southparkclt.org. And we have an incredible team that I'm so privileged to work alongside that gets up every day thinking about serving South Park. And uh, they do so much work on behalf of our stakeholders. And so there's a way to reach all of us on our website. You can follow us on social media, sign up for our newsletters, and uh, hopefully come see us at another South Park After Five in 2024. Oh, I cannot wait, man. Well, this has been awesome. Adam, thank you so much for joining us. Thank like you. we always say, please like, share, comment, go check out South Park Community Partners. If you are in Charlotte and you've never been to South Park, go, number one. <laughs> um, but we're excited to see you know, where it goes from here. And, and our family will definitely be at all those Alive After Fives. And uh, I think we're in great hands with you leading the, uh, the helm. And just congratulations on your journey, what you're doing. I feel like the purpose, the passion, the commitment um, is all there. And it's, it's so exciting. You just shared that from 1960. I love having those memories, right? And, and now we're raising our kids where you were eight years old at that location. Yeah. And now you see your son at eight years old and you're like, this is crazy <laughs> it's wild. in a nutshell. Um, but this has been awesome, Adam. Thank you so Thank much. You. Uh, until next time you've been listening to this episode of the award-winning brand builders podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.